Well, let's get into the Word again today. Uh, I want to continue on with the series I've been teaching uh, called Dedicate. You, you recall uh, we've been starting in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and I'll just draw your attention to one verse uh, there today. Um, that that kind of highlights the, 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 the gist of what we're communicating in giving our lives to the Lord. It, it says in verse 5 in the New Living, they even did more than what we had hoped. In other words, more than just the offering they gave. For their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to do. And so that's an interesting concept that these are people who are already saved, they've already been born again, but still they're making a dedication of themselves to the Lord. Now, again, the context was they were receiving an offering, money, and they were giving that to the Lord to help others. Uh, but they first gave themselves to the Lord. And I think just like it was the will of God for them to do that, it's the will of God for us to do that. We're not, uh, in other words, my money is not the most important thing. My life is, right? It's not just about what I can underwrite or about what I can put in someone else's hand or help the church and the ministries and so forth. It's me is, what, is why Jesus died. Jesus didn't die for my money. That wouldn't have been worth it. <laughs> that was way too much pain <laughs> to get what I can do, <laughs> right? He died for me. And, and that's why this was, this was so uh, praised is because they first gave themselves. Now, how many understand that when, when you are truly dedicated to the Lord, your possessions or giving of your possessions is not gonna be a problem. It is a problem when we are not truly given over to the Lord, when our se we're holding ourselves back when God might be in a segment of our lives or Jesus might be Lord of part of us, all right, we've compartmentalized, then the giving of possessions is sometimes difficult or painful or, 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 or it just, just doesn't happen. And we like to say, well, he has my heart. Uh, well, listen, if he doesn't have my wallet, he doesn't have my heart. That's right. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right, so that's just the beginning of things today. So if you need to slip out now, uh, no judgments here. You know, we love you and uh, you love your money and we love you. <laughs> uh, but we judge everything by the word of God and, 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 uh, and we don't, don't wanna play games with this stuff though. I, is, that, is that okay if we just shoot you straight and just, you judge by the word of God and see with what we're saying is, is here. If ever there's a problem with the heart, remember Jesus said where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so if our heart is in the wrong place, sometimes we can, he'd rather have our heart first, but we can lead our heart. If you put your treasure a certain place, your heart's gonna be there. If you stop putting your treasure in a certain place, your heart is gonna go somewhere else, right? And so, and so we, can, we can direct our hearts if, it, if it's not in the, in the right place. Now, if you're one of those, and I realize there's always people who think this way, but that's why we're here, to help our stinking thinking. Uh, but if you're one of those that has ever been tempted to just say or just to even think or believe uh, that churches are just out for our money, okay? I understand that, but it's not the case. That's totally inaccurate. Walmart's totally out for your money. 
All right. Chick-fil-A wants your money. Right. All the other businesses, they 100% want your money. They don't care about you. So if you want to complain about someone wanting your money, complain about that. When it comes to the church and the kingdom of God, that's not what we're about. At 100%, you, you, can, you can shop here, you know, shop uh, for free. <laughs> In other words, we'll minister, we'll teach you the word, we'll lay hands on you, pray for you, encourage you, help you, and never ask you for an offering. We've never asked anyone for money. We're not going to start. Amen. Okay. So when that, when, that, when that is understood and we can set aside that judgment, now we can be open to hearing how the Lord wants to direct us personally and, and what it produces in our lives, okay? Because these things are uh, natural, but very, very important to the Lord. Now, now I'll come back to that. I, I, wanna, I wanna review for a moment uh, Romans chapter 12 and verse one. Re- remember uh, that the beginning of giving ourselves to the Lord is not just a spiritual act, I mean, it is spiritual, but it involves physical things, and it starts not with our possessions, but with our body. Really, with our, it's really spirit, soul, and body. So your mind is involved, but our bodies are involved. Okay, Romans 12, 1, again, from the Amplified Bible, reads this way. Uh, reads, th- reads this way. I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg of you in view of all the mercies of God to make a decisive dedication of your, what's that word? Bodies, presenting all your members and faculties as a living sacrifice, holy, devoted, consecrated, and well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable, rational, intelligent service and spiritual worship. So there's so much said in in this one verse But I can certainly see that worshiping God, that being dedicated to the Lord is not solely a spirit activity. It's a spiritual activity that involves my body. I can't leave my body aside and serve the Lord with my spirit, but my body gets to do whatever it feels like doing. No, it is worship to the Lord when I deny my body the things that it wants. When I say primarily wrong things, primarily sinful things, but when I say no to that and say, body, you are going to come in line, God receives that as worship and, and it, it's holy to him just as much or possibly more than I lift my hands and sing a song or I pray to him or, or, or give him some kind of adoration w- with words. So our bodies are part uh, Okay, someone says, I'm a Christian. Okay, good for you. Me too. Is your body a Christian? (laughs) Now, I realize our bodies haven't been glorified. I understand that. They will be glorified one day. And so our spirit is the only thing changed in the new birth. But because we're changed spiritually, we are supposed to spiritually dedicate our bodies, our physical being, to the Lord. Amen. Now, of course, I say, say, how how do I do that? I, I mean... My body does all kinds of things that I regret and, and wish it wouldn't. Well, strength comes from God's word. Uh, David said this in the Psalms, and this is pre-new birth, okay? Psalm 119.11, he said, your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. And so if I am not wanting to act a certain way, 
the way to fortify myself and strengthen and, and give myself ability to do what I want to do and make what I commit is to put God's word in my heart in abundance. Yeah? Day and night, night and day, Joshua 1.8 says we, right, we meditate on the word of God and, and in this we find you know, we make our way prosperous and have good success. It is through, through God's word being implanted in us that we are able to do with our bodies the things that we want to do, things that we ought to do. Now, now, now Job made a statement about himself because he knew his flesh. And in, in Job 31.1, he wrote, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look with lust at a young woman. Now, now, now notice, he knew himself. In other words, he found young women attractive, and he knew that if I don't do something, I will look at them and long for their beauty. And so he made a covenant with his eyes. I mean, no, he didn't say, but I still love the Lord in my heart, so it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what I do with my eyes. I mean, because the Lord's on the inside. No, he didn't make excuse. He saw it as a very serious issue. And it seems like he took this more serious than just, you know, I'm going to try to look away. I'm, I'm going to try not to think that, think those thoughts when I see certain... He, he made a covenant. Covenant language is, is, is strong language. He reinforced his decision with, with the language of covenant so that his eyes wouldn't feel free just to do whatever, you know, they wanted to do, right? And how many know that that can be of benefit? A lot of times people just struggle, I'm going to try not to, and they just internally have a mental warfare against what they, they're thinking and what they ought to be thinking instead of taking serious measures to say, I'm not going to do this. One way you could do this is you can could, you could attach communion to it. The bread and the cup representing the body and blood of the Lord. And make, why, not, why couldn't you do the same thing? Go before the Lord and say, I've been, I've been, I've been having wandering eyes, Lord. And I don't want to. I don't want to be that type of person. I don't want to be that. I don't want to be looking at people that way. I'm seeking your help. I'm going to hide your word in my heart, and I'm going to make a covenant like Job did with my eyes. And then take communion, get the Lord's help. It's just taking it more serious is what I'm saying. And, and, and we're doing these things because we recognize what we do with our body is important. It's not just... Uh, uh, a spiritual relationship with God that excludes the physical realm. Amen? Okay. You know, fasting is another, another way to deal with the body. You probably don't want to hear about that today, but it is a Bible word. Yeah. Right? Fasting is when you deny yourself something, typically food. Typically, you miss a meal and spend some time with the Lord. Your body will remind you of, of its desires when you do that. <laughs> hey, what are you doing? <laughs> feed me, feed me. <laughs> Say, shut up. Shut up or we're going to pray for an hour and then go for a run. <laughs> but how many know denying your body in, for the purposes of God is very honorable to do? It is. Not for limited, limited time and all that we have to eat, but you know, to say no to your flesh tells, tells your body who's the boss. You're the boss of it. It doesn't get to rule your life. And so, and so we can do these things, again, for the purpose of glorifying God because we recognize that Jesus died and he purchased not just our spirit, he purchased our bodies too. We read that last time, all right? Every now and then someone will ask me about, uh, you know, things like trends, like fads like we're in right now with like tattoos. People will say, are tattoos okay? And, and, and because they're real popular today. 
and, and because of their permanency, that's why some people wonder about that. And, uh, but, but listen, your body belongs to the Lord. It doesn't belong to me. I'm not going to make a decision there for anyone. But do you talk to the Lord or do you just do whatever you want with your body? That's the question. I'm not going to, I don't think it's just a right or wrong issue personally. This is all right. This is all wrong. I say, you have given your life to the Lord. He purchased your body. So talk to him about your life. What does he want? It's just, it's when we never consult him about things that it kind of reveals we're freelancing our life. I would just do whatever I want or I follow the trends of society. I never ask him about anything. How many think if, you're a, if you really say the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want, if you really say the, the, those who are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God, if we really believe that God directs our steps and orders our paths and we sing these songs, don't you think we ought to, like big decisions in our life, we ought to consult him? Instead of just singing the song and doing what we want? Like, I mean, if like you're going to move to another state, think you ought to ask him? If you're going to quit your job and take another, think you ought to seek the Lord? If you're going to marry someone, think you ought to talk to him about it? If you're going to, I mean, a lot of things, or spend money here, or even if you're just going to buy a new house, you might want to talk to the Lord. Well, what if he says he doesn't want me to? Then he probably knows something about the house. Or the market, or what's going to happen next, or your financial future. He probably has some insight. That's, so it's in our best interest to do this. But I'm just saying, those who have given themselves to the Lord, this is how they think. It's not all me, all, all the time, with everything I want. It's, Lord, I belong to you. I want to glorify you. Not just on Sunday with my singing, my uplifted hands. I want to glorify you with my body, with my life, with my money, with my, my time. I seek to do your will, O oh God. That's a heart that is given over to the Lord. Amen? So when something then is dedicated to God, it takes on meaningful spiritual significance. We can take what is something somewhat natural and it adds a spiritual component to it. It takes on eternal value and significance all the way down to the food that we eat, okay? I just find it interesting that the language of Scripture even includes our food. When Timothy was writing, it was actually Paul writing to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 3, or chapter 4, he was saying, in the last days, these various things will happen. In verse 3 of that chapter, he said, this is what will happen. People will forbid others to marry, Okay, he said, and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. He said, in the last days, this will be some of what's happening. People will say, you can't eat that. You can't eat that. You shouldn't do this. You can't get married. You see that in, you know, you know for example, the Catholic Church, they don't allow their priests to get married. Maybe that's one reflection of this. Uh, but other things that attack marriage, we see that all over the place. But then others are saying, you can't eat that, you can't eat that. How many know as a Christian, we don't get into the commanding regarding diet? There were some Old Testament commands regarding diet. Jesus told Peter, rise, kill, and eat. Right? That's when bacon came into the body of Christ. Now, if you don't like it, he's not telling you you have to eat it. You can tell yourself, you cannot eat anything you want because of your own personal reasons. 
That's totally up to you. This is not a command to or not to. Just saying, we don't go that way. But he said, in the last days, these things will happen. Uh, he said, for every creature of God is good and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God in prayer. That's what gets my attention. My food is sanctified. Sanctified means to be set apart. All right. My food is sanctified, but my food is set apart by the word of God in prayer. Why is that the case? Because it's going in me, the body that Jesus purchased. I was purchased for him, by him, and I am to glorify God in my body. So even my food, that's why we pray and say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for this food. It's going in this sanctified body. <laughs> so it becomes a part of your plan. It becomes a part of how I glorify you. Amen, amen, amen. And thank you that nothing deadly will hurt me. <laughs> if I eat anything deadly, will, will, will not hurt me. But it goes all the way down. We're talking about things being set apart for God's purposes. And with our bodies, we glorify the Lord. So how do you view your life? Your home, your body, your possessions, your money, your prayers, your, your, your abilities. How do you view all these things? And I think it's the God component that makes what we do special or holy or significant, all right? When we make concerted dedication to the Lord, he gets involved in a greater way. It goes from natural, unimportant, to God's involved with it. And, and because of this, we should seek, I think we should ask ourselves the question, are there parts of our lives that the Lord is not invited into? You can come to my house, but stay out of that room. Well, what's happening in that room? Never mind. <laughs> you know, that area might be a part of our thought life. It might be part of our, our, our motivation for what we do. And no, I don't want to have that. I don't want to leave God out of different parts of my life. See, uh, when you read the scriptures, read the Old Testament, you, you'll find that there were many physical things that were dedicated to the Lord. So not just a person's heart or their eternity, but physical items, things like Solomon's temple, a physical structure was dedicated for the Lord's purpose, okay? We, we can read about the furniture that was in these temples. They would dedicate it to the Lord. Uh, offerings were dedicated to him. So more than just, I wanna make a donation. You know, I wanna get a tax write-off. I wanna stand behind a big check. No, they were dedicated, they were holy to them, dedicated to the Lord. Houses were dedicated, lands were dedicated. The clothes, very clothes that the priests would wear would be dedicated and sanctified to the Lord. Even, I read one passage about gates being dedicated. You know, gates being like an entrance into something. And, and so, uh, again, it goes back to us. What's in our hands that could be dedicated for God's use? What physical thing could be given to him? Now, now this is entirely up to us. He's not forcing us to, to do this. He's not forcing us to give things uh, or to give our stuff to him. But for the believer who's given themselves to him, then they should be, we should be thoughtful, prayerful. We should be intentional about what's in our hands and what we should, what should we do, what we should do with it. Amen. So I've never even thought about it that way. That's why I'm teaching. 
So you can think that. I don't know what the Lord's going to deal with you or what your heart is or what your, your desire or faith is guiding you to do. But that we think that way. I belong to him. Then we're on the same page with those who were, uh, you know, praised in the scripture as doing, doing things well. All right. Now, I want, to, I want to have you turn to two places. I didn't have you turn anywhere. But uh, two places today. Um, uh, where would it be? Uh, Luke chapter uh, 16. Luke chapter 16. And I like to do this where if you're new here, we don't put all the scriptures on the screen. I think that makes us too lazy. And it's okay to work a little bit in church. <laughs> or if you're digital, you know, you're scrolling and work. Just, in other words, put a little bit of effort into getting something from God. Okay, that's, what, that's why I do it this way. Um, uh, but here's the temptation. It is to separate natural things from spiritual to the extent that we, we treat natural, material, and possessions as almost opposite of God rather than something that is very connected to the spiritual matters. Okay? And I'm telling you, Jesus didn't do that. He did the opposite. In Luke 16, there's a whole story here, but uh, you'll get the gist of it if we just read verse 10 and 11. Jesus gave the principle, he, he who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? Now, what we see here is that faithfulness begins with the lesser and then moves to the greater. It does not begin with greater. It is not we skip over the lesser and jump to the greater because lesser things are lesser things and I'm more of a greater person. So I'm not gonna bother with lesser. I'm gonna move straight on to the important, the true riches, the greater things. No, the lesser here that's referred to is natural. It is material. It would be money the unrighteous mammon. It would be, that's what's lesser. So do you see what Jesus is saying here? You have to be faithful with the lesser. If you're ever gonna get to the greater, the greater is the true riches. We're talking eternal matters. We're talking the promises of God, the revelation of God. We're talking people's lives that are affected for eternity. We're talking spiritual stuff. Jesus didn't say, skip over the little stuff, the natural, the material, and get straight over here into the eternal, the precious, the true riches. No, he said, you've got to be faithful with that other small material things or you'll never get to the, the eternal, the true, yeah. the riches. If you're not faithful there, don't be deceived. You won't be faithful over here. But I think sometimes... We want to uh, diminish and say, well, I'm just in it for the eternal, the spiritual. I don't care about all that natural stuff. It, it's like you can't run two miles if you can't run one mile. Well, I'm more of a two-mile kind of guy. <laughs> My friend, give me a mile first. If you can do a mile, 
then we'll talk about two miles because you won't be able to do the latter without doing the former. But again, it's not uncommon for people to make light of material giving while touting their love for God and their love for spiritual things. They think I can embrace the one while despising the other. That's unimportant. That's not the way the Lord is. In one sense, it's, it, it, it's, it's like a proving ground. It's like a testing. Um, you, you know, if, if I were to be looking for, uh, you know, someone to carry influence and be a leader in the church, and I needed someone of high value and maturity and, and, and so forth, and I, I was looking for this person, do you know one of the best ways, not the only way, but one of the best ways to determine if someone's qualified? It would be to talk to them about their giving. Say, oh, you shouldn't do that. I mean, people's giving, that's just between them and the Lord, and you should never ask about that. And uh, no, in some cases, you should ask about that because it reveals their character. Because if someone can't be faithful with what is least, and by the way, if it's, a, if it's $2 billion, it's still what is least. Because it's, it's material, it's physical, it's temporal, it's natural. Spiritual things are weightier. That's why I have to be faithful with the material, the least thing. And I would want to know, well, how is your giving? If they said, well, you know, I, I mean, I give my time and I give to the Lord in other ways, I would say I'm looking for someone else then. You're, too, you're not mature enough for me, for this position. How am I going to trust you with the condition of people's souls? How am I going to trust you with people's lives? They're precious to the Lord. Jesus shed his blood. And you can't even be faithful with the, the pitiful, small things like your, your money. How could you be faithful with that? That's the, that's the way the Lord thinks. I remember years ago, uh, the church was quite, quite a bit smaller back then, but there was a, a lady in the church and, and she was seeing this other man. And because of the size and the nature of how things were back then, I was aware of more on an individual basis. And I thought, she's going to marry him? Hmm. And do uh, and you know one of the reasons I thought that? because I knew that she was a giver and he wasn't. And I thought, did you even talk to him about that? They ended up getting married and it didn't go well. It lasted several years and then he just was too immature. And I could see it. It was revealed in the fact that he couldn't even honor the Lord with his tithe. Now watch, these weren't, this wasn't someone who's brand new to church, didn't know, someone who'd been in church for years. Someone had been hearing it for years and pushing back and would never yield that part of their life to the Lord. What happened is he stunted his growth. He stunted his growth. And I thought, no, don't do that. And by the way, if someone's like dating someone or wanting to get married, I'm talking both believers. Believers and unbelievers shouldn't marry anyway because you're going to have trouble. It's called unequally being unequally yoked. But if you're both believers, uh, ask that person what they, how much they give. It's going to be your life in a minute, right? I don't mean on the first date. I'm going to have to have a look at your finances. And I mean this seriously because you want, if you're going to, I mean, if this, that's a serious relationship, you're going that way, you want to know the person. And one of the greatest ways to know a person is right there. 
Well, I love the Lord. I lift my hands higher than everybody else in church. I, I sing louder than everybody else. Yeah. Show me the money. <laughs> right? Because that's your worship to God. And if you, again, if you want to judge me on this or judge our church on this, uh, give your money somewhere else. I don't want anyone, anything from anybody. I would never ask someone to give to me. We don't even ask people to give to the church. You understand what? I'm teaching you a spiritual principle that will absolutely change your life. But if we don't see it like God does, we will, uh, we will set these things aside thinking I'm going on to something greater and we're stuck in that place. It's like the 15-year-old who's on drugs, the 15-year-old alcoholic who never matures and later they're 35, 40 years old and they still act like a teenager because they stop their growth because of that substance that aids their, their well-being. Okay, they don't grow through hard things. They drink hard things away, right? It's similar to that, but in, in, it's a spiritual thing, okay? Turn over to one more passage, and I'll show you this. This is not just one place. Uh, go to 2 Corinthians. It's a right turn from there, chapter 9. If you know this, uh, this passage, it's all about, about giving, the grace of giving. 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 10 I read this to you recently. Uh, now may he who supplies seed to the sower, that he is God, right? He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruit, the fruits of your righteousness. All right, now let me break that down a little bit. I want you to notice that, there, that righteousness produces fruit. What, what, what does that mean? When someone gets saved... 2 Corinthians 5, 17, they are the righteousness of God in Christ. If you're a believer, you've been made right with God. He has imparted to you his very own righteousness. You're not living with your own sin and guilt and shame. You've been made right with God. That righteousness imparted to your spirit produces things. It's called fruit. The fruit of that righteousness is what comes out of you is God-like. It's life and not death. It's blessing and not cursing. It's love and kindness and gentleness. It's the, the fruit of the born-again spirit. It's the fruit of righteousness. You could say, because of the context of this verse, that the fruit of righteousness is generosity. So our righteousness produces certain things in our lives. It works automatically. It is there trying to come out and be made manifest in the earth. But this verse tells us how to increase it how to multiply it. He said, God gives seed and he gives food. It is the mature person that can discern the difference. They know when, when, when something is in my hand, this is seed, this is food. The, the, the baby, the immature believer, they see everything as food. I got this coming in, spend away. It's all for me. But the person who has given their life to the Lord and seeks to do things God's way, they want to go on from lesser to greater. They say, no, 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 no. Here's what you've given me, Lord. What part of this needs to be planted again? What part needs to be given? And what part do I spend for me? The absence of that question shows a, a lack of knowledge of how God's kingdom works and how spiritual maturity works. Again, watch. Fruit of righteousness, here's another way to say that, you grow. 
you grow spiritually. You move from lesser to greater. You move from material to spiritual. You enter into the greater things of God. Now, when, when giving is in place in a person's life, you will see love coming out of them more. You'll see faithfulness coming out of them more. You'll see a, a commitment to stay with things and not be bolting around and just unstable. Hallelujah. Amen. See, at the same time, if we, if we are hoarding, if we just keep things, we limit our prosperity and spiritual development. This is why whenever someone, I understand temptation, and I understand when someone has financial hardship and need and all this kind of stuff, but I tell you, it is a trick of the enemy to push back against any talk of giving and tithing and being generous and sowing seed and to just, to just justify your pushback with they just want this and they're always asking for this. And, and it's a trick to keep you in, in the nursery. Yeah. Right? I mean, you know, if you're in the nursery and you're 10 years old, <laughs> you, ought to be, you better be helping. <laughs> but spiritually, I, I can't remain there. Am I really going to grow spiritually if I don't grow in generosity? I mean, isn't that a valid question with what we're reading? Can I really attain unto greater things the true riches if I don't grow in generosity? And I have to tell you, by my study of the Word and my observation of my own and other people's lives, the answer is absolutely no. We stunt our own growth. Hallelujah. So if someone said, well, I'm just, I hear what you're saying, and I believe that's right, and I'm just struggling to, with the tithe because I got bills and all this stuff. I get that, and do not take this as pressure by any means. But I think the way to, to do this is to view your possessions differently. See, if someone wants to be a tither, you don't look at your $1,000 and see $1,000. You see 900 I don't have a thousand to spend. I have nine hundred to spend. And as you grow spiritually, you probably change that number. Like we started, we started eight hundred because we st our giving starts at twenty. Why? Just that's our own decision. Say what scripture is that? There's not a scripture other than tithes and offerings. There's not that number. The tenth is the only number identified. We do that because we want to grow and trust God more. So as you give me $1,000, I don't have 1000 I have $800. That's, that, that's where it starts. Mature people see food and seed. Got food and seed. And then whatever the Lord tells us to do, of course, we're always open to that. But it's that difference in the, those who produce more fruit of righteousness. Some people are producing a little, you're saved, and a little bit of love, a little bit of forgiveness, a little bit of joy coming out of you. And then others, they've got it written all over them. It's like, you are the nicest person. You are so kind. You, you forgive people. Wow, what's going on? You're so patient. You're so this. Someone said, well, I'm, oh, man, the Lord needs to give me patience. No, you need to give in the offering. <laughs> say, I've never heard it said that way before. I don't think I've ever said it that way before. <laughs> I'm just saying there's a, there's a tie-in to what we desire to be in faithful with natural things. When we handle the natural things right, 
we skyrocket as far as God's involvement in, what, in our lives. He, these natural things take on spiritual significance. And this is setting aside the potential benefit what I give to you might do for you or give to a, a, a mission or give to a, a church building or, or whatever. We're, set aside the outcome. This is just what it does in us. And I'm telling you, it, it's, it's something that's godly. It's of him. It's something that he wants us to get. The Macedonian believers first gave themselves just like God wanted them to do. What do you mean first? There's no first if there's not a second, right? When you write an outline, there's no, there's no A if there's not a B. Can't have an A without a B, right? And if you first give yourselves, that means you're giving something after you give yourself to the Lord. Hallelujah. Everybody okay today? You guys have been so good. I mean, I haven't seen anyone run with fear. <laughs> I mean, social media is, you know, I know that's still coming, but, <laughs> but I tell you, I tell you, if God can work in us this way, the, the, so many of us, the life change that we want and seek, it'll happen. It'll happen. See, it's kind of hard. Sometimes growth is a little painful, but you press through it and you end up on the other side. I had a word on Wednesday uh, about dealing with pressure and the positive benefits of, of, of dealing right with pressure that comes upon you. It's real important that we, that, we, that we treat those moments in the right way because where we go from there, man, we'll never be where, we're, where we ought to be, where God wants us to be or where we can be if we're always running from that pressure moment. Amen. Father, thank you for what you're doing in here right now. Thanks for joining us for the message today. I trust it has been a blessing and a help to your life. You know, the most important thing we could ever do is to receive salvation, to receive eternal life. You know, Jesus died for our sins. He paid the price, and it's available to every single one of us. Would you like to pray today? Say it from your heart. Say it out loud. Dear God in heaven, I believe in you. I repent of my sins. I believe that Jesus died for me on the cross. He suffered in my place. He died so I could live. He was raised from the dead and he's alive today. I receive him now as my savior. I confess Jesus is Lord. Listen friend, if you prayed that prayer with me today, Congratulations, you're in, you're saved, you're right with God. I would love to hear from you so we can send you some additional material to help you in your walk and relationship with God. Please text the word SAVED to 208-314-2660. Also, I'd like to invite you to join us for a live service this coming Sunday, and you are more than welcome to be here visit our website at lcboise.com for all of the current service times. Thanks again for joining us today. God bless you.